You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Webcology starts now only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of September. I can't believe September's almost gone, folks. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and I would be joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, except Dave is busying himself getting back to Victoria from MozCon in Seattle. So, uh, well, you know, he's either on a ferry, in a car, or in a plane, so he can't join us. But we have two of the next best things. We have, this is a, this is really exciting, we have Tom Craver, uh, what probably listeners know Tom, he's been on the show a million times before, he's a Tom Craver consultant, he's an educator, and he is the owner of a very fine Pikachu. <laughs> we also have Jenny Halaz from JLH Marketing. Jenny is a longtime SEO, she's a champion of reason in the industry, she's a most interesting person, I am I'm totally looking forward to getting some of her ideas and opinions on a whole slew of stuff that's been happening in the last few weeks. Tom and Jenny, thank you both so much. Welcome to Webcology. Hey, thanks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited having you here. I've been uh, following you on Facebook forever. We've shot stuff back and forth, political opinions, SEO opinions, and jokes. And Jenny, it is wonderful to actually talk to you in person, or at least (laughs) on radio. Same to you, Jim. So we've got a lot to go through this week. It's been a kind of bouncy week, especially if, I don't know, you're one of those SEOs who looks at search engine results and stuff. I guess the number one question on everyone's mind, and I, I, I want to get both your opinions on this. I, I think Dave and I shared our opinions last week pretty right. amply. Is this the long march of the penguins, or is this just something we really want it, or do we just really want it to be penguin? What do you think? It's been so long, I think we want to call it something. I mean, it's funny. I remember, I don't remember what update it was, but I remember Danny Sullivan calling out something as, I don't remember what, what he named it. There was an update that rolled out, and then Google later on said, oh, actually, we named it this. But we always want to call whatever changes we see something, because at least it makes it more, I don't know, tangible to us in, in, in doing something. I don't know. Google keeps saying it's not any animal we've seen before. It's just them doing their thing. What do we do with that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's I don't think it's Penguin at all. Um, I monitor a lot of sites that uh, have been impacted in various ways by Penguin, and we're not seeing anything that would indicate that this is that this is Penguin or even a march toward Penguin. Plus, John Mueller came on uh, Webmaster Hangout the other day and said, "No, it's not Penguin." So, but I agree with Tom. It would be nice to have something to name it or. It's one of those things where, as SEOs, we're always looking back and doing these kind of forensic analyses of how we got to where we are today. And when we don't have a name for it, and it's just like, you know, Google update number 59, it's very hard (laughs) to keep track of it. Well, it's also hard to to, to name a phenomenon when you don't exactly know what the phenomenon is doing. 
Um, we know that there's something, I mean, clearly there's something going on. The crawl activity starting about three, maybe four weeks ago. Volatility in the SERP starting maybe three weeks ago. And, and it feels like it's amping up now. Um, amping up? Is, is there a play on words there? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't intend that. And that's actually why I paused. Because I was trying to find the smart-ass joke from having just said that. Uh, but, I mean, there's clearly something happening. And we're seeing... Again, volatility in search engine placements themselves, but nothing is sticking yet. At what point do you think that um, we'll have a clue? Well, you know, just based on you know Google's behaviors over the last uh, last year or so, will is this is this an Everflux thing or will it settle out? I don't know. From their history, I would I would think that Google kind of does its own thing. A lot of times, if you look back at almost every major anything that's happened, and I don't care if it's with analytics or if it's with search or with ad placements or whatever, you, you look at even the Google Plus rollout, which was a lot of different things, to be honest. You look at a lot of the moves they make, whether we know what's going on or not, and then like five to eight months later, all of a sudden you can look back and go, oh, that was why that and that and that other thing happened together. And you, you kind of see their master plan well after the fact if you go back and like Monday morning quarterback it. So this could be almost anything. This could be a bunch of shakeups that we'll find out later on. This could be a bunch of data centers they're putting you know, online somewhere in Antarctica or under an ocean somewhere. And they'll come out with a green statement in six months when they know it's sustainable and working. And then we'll go, oh, that's it. They were just moving data around between data centers and we were just getting the wrong data center. I mean, could be anything. Jenny, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with Tom on this. I think uh, there's a good chance we'll never know what uh, was going on. It's also possible we'll look back, as Tom says, and say, oh, hey, that makes sense now. But bottom line is we're not seeing – I, I got to be a little bit blunt here. I, I get really frustrated with this industry sometimes because everybody sees any kind of change and it's like, oh, no, the sky is falling. It's not falling, and we have no evidence that it's falling, and nobody who monitors a lot of sites is saying they're seeing significant lasting change. Now, there's a lot of bouncing around, but nothing is staying consistent for very long, which, I mean, honestly, uh, Tom's example of maybe they're moving data centers makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, I, I wouldn't suggest that uh, volatility in the SERP suggests the sky is falling. Although when the penguins when the penguins do eventually fly out, you know that they're all going to fall because penguins can't fly, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I've been working on that one for about an hour, and I, I apologize. It sucks. That's as good as it got, really? But I tried. I really tried. <laughs> um, wow, I'd hate to see something you worked on for days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's my analysis of this, of this update, you see. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I'm thinking that this might be Penguin is just uh, Google's Google's long-term behavior. I don't think that we're going to see, if Penguin 4.0 does roll out, and, and, and uh, uh, it has to eventually, although it, it mightn't be what we understand to be Penguin, they do have to, to roll out some link evaluation update. And if they do, when they do, I, I'm just I gonna believe it'll take months for, for it to roll through. I'm just going to be obtuse for a minute and say, why? Why do they have to roll out? Because Google's ranking formula is still based on evaluation of links. And over time, the way we use links, um, the way we place them, the uh, text that we use in them, the fact that mobile is becoming an uh, increasingly important channel, all of these things will affect how links are laid on a page, which will affect the way Google has to evaluate them, which means eventually they got to update how they evaluate links. I'll play devil's advocate well, and split the difference yes, here. Yes, they have to update how they evaluate links, but there are hundreds of elements in the algorithm. Penguin isn't the only one that touches links. Oh, oh indeed, indeed, Jenny. I agree with you. And that, that's why I said when some new link evaluation algo comes out, it mightn't be what we what we see as Penguin. Mm -hmm. I covered myself on that one. <laughs> well, I'm being, you know, I'm being kind of argumentative for the sake of it, but I, I think it's important to consider these implications um, and to remind all of 
the people who are listening here that um, you know there there are a lot of elements of the algorithm that deal with links, and if Google decided to roll the signals that are in the Penguin algorithm into the core update, uh-huh. then they don't ever have to launch a Penguin update again. Exactly. Gotta, so let I me tag in on that Tom, one. Yeah, Tom wanted to split the difference here. I did. It exa- it's exactly what Jenny just said. Let's go back about, oh, I don't know, six years, five, six years. What happened when Google would unroll an algorithm? We'd be like, oh, I think there's a change. Only some people are seeing it. Then we learned about this thing called data centers, and we can look at different data centers and figure out if the algorithm or if the update had hit that data center or not. What if that is still the case? And what if, just like Jenny just said, that they just moved Penguin into the core algorithm now or the elements and the signals of Penguin into the core algorithm signals? And now that algorithm was being rolled out slowly to all the different data centers, which would explain the flux and the fix. Well, absolutely possible. The only the only knock I have against that theory is the last iterations of Penguin were thought, or the last few iterations of Penguin were thought to be hash jobs. So I think they'd be more cautious than that. But it's been what, like, almost two years now, a year and a half, two years now since we've seen an update, and uh, almost two. Yeah, so they've been testing the whole way through, right? Mm-hmm. So even you if the last so. one was a hash job. You're, you may be right, Tom. They may be satisfied that this is it, and they're going to put it in, in, into the core Everflux algorithm. But uh, I'd be cautious about that if I was them. Um, it's going to be a massive change when it does roll out. I mean, to, to, if, if they're going to reevaluate links across the entire web, imagine. Just a, 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 the scale of that is mind-blowing. It is and it isn't. I mean, they've been evaluating links across the entire web the entire time. Indeed, um, the penguin algorithm really is is more of a punitive algorithm. So I would expect that most people who've done cleanup, who've attempted to right their wrongs, um, or who've given up entirely and moved to new domains, um, are already seeing improvements based on a better link profile. Um, just from the core algorithm. So I, I would think that if we see, even if we saw Penguin roll out today, I think the majority of the people who would be affected would be the Black Hats. And I'm not sure they're going to join the international collective and tell us what they're seeing. Right. Remember, too, when Rank Brain rolled out, we found out about it in like October of last year, but they when they finally came out and talked about it, they were like, um, yeah, actually, it rolled out in July. We were just kind of sitting on it for a while. Yeah. So where you say, well, they Jimmy, they should the be – Absolutely. And if you say they should be careful and make sure they get it right, well, they could have been careful and thought they got it right, but, you know, stuff happens sometimes. And, you know, this could be exactly one of those things where, you know, come Christmas or, or whatever, just in time for like, you know, holiday busy season – They'll roll out something else and be like, well, we rolled out this, but actually the thing you're talking about actually unrolled, you know, back when we were all confused in September. I mean, it, it could be almost anything. And, and the, the point is, going back to our original conjecture, with Google, we just don't know. Well, and then I also find it interesting that they've admitted that they rolled out a change to local search results at the same time. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're purposefully rolling things out in batches so that it is harder for us to figure out what it is that they're doing. I would I would like to agree with that because we we've seen what Google has done, and at the same time and and call me altruistic and taking off my tinfoil hat and drinking all the Kool Aid, but you know I, I'd like to think between the quality of intellectual people they have at Google, they would know enough not to mix all kinds of different things together and turn them all out at the same time because to debug them later on they would have to now you know now decipher which one of the you know mixed up things was it. You know, you never change three things at the same time and then say, oh, crap, something didn't work out and try to figure out which one it was. You unroll them one at a time and, you know, know which one it is that actually borked the system. So I'd like to think they wouldn't do that, but I, I can't disagree with you, Johnny. It probably has happened at this point just to throw some cover over the fact that they did something else. And, oh, here, there's local update. We can talk about that. Well, and I think, too, Google's become so large and such a conglomerate that I think we often see the right hand not really knowing what the left is doing. So I could also see it being a situation where 
for whatever reason, there was no communication that multiple things were going to roll out at the same time. I think stuff like that often happens around Google. I, they, I, honestly, Jenny, I think they frequently the right side of the office doesn't know what the left side of the Plex is doing. Heck, we, we, we certainly see that between the Swiss side of the office and the Silicon Valley side, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> this is a, probably one of the, the only SEO-related news forums out there where the subject of Penguin gets a, meh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to take a break in a few minutes so we're gonna have to move on do you guys ask the piece in jennifer slegg's sem post this morning google adding more thumbnails to mobile search results looking yeah, at it now did. i think it's i'm i got this i have this uh one one client who's in the fashion industry she's getting three and a half times the traffic on mobile than she is on desktop so after reading this article this morning, I'm thinking, wow, what images, where do I need to place the images? Um, how do I need to tag the images? How do I get it on some of this mobile search thumbnail action? Well, that, the becomes, the, that becomes the question now, right? So, you know, we all know, we've been telling all of our clients and reading at conferences and blogs and whatnot that, you know, images make better clickbait or at least make, make better click through, we'll say. This could be this could be as simple as some kind of open graph tag, or it could be something random that Google is choosing to select right now until they decide to tell us how to do this. But again, it's one more thing that can be spammed. Certainly, certainly, it's something that can be spammed. But if you're, I mean, if you're in an industry where you're where you're selling product, and in the organic search results, you actually have an image of that product. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking search. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not talking shopping. I'm just talking like regular organic mobile search results. Little little thumbnail in there. Jenny, any clues from where you're sitting? And I guess I see this as really heavily oriented toward retail, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it just affects such a small portion of the overall search results that I don't know. I'm kind of. It's interesting to see them testing it, but I don't think it's going to be a huge thing, at least not right away. Well, I got I have uh, two two e-tail clients now, so I'm I'm very excited about this. It's a <laughs> thing I can bring to them and say, "Hey, guess what we can do?" Well, this will be the thing we're going to be talking about for the next few months now, right? Again, especially leading up to the to the holidays here now. What I think is very interesting, and Jen always does some really great reporting, and whenever she gets a story, she always tries to you know get her own spin on it or do her own research on it. And the shots that she put in there that were her pictures in the post were all retail locations, and they were all products like you mentioned, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yet the big scrolling Google image that they had originally posted uh, on Google+, Shows like a BuzzFeed article, actually a bunch of BuzzFeed articles, and the kitten cam, and you know all kinds of weird stuff there. I could see it if it was a product. I could totally get it with some rich schema talking about your product markup, and there's always an there's an image, you know, a specified image markup tag for for product schema. But that's and that could be what her pictures were showing. But that's not what Google shared in their big green like moving animated gif there. So yeah, I mean hedgehogs and teacups. Right. Exactly. Search for that. Oh, I do all the time. Isn't isn't that you know? <laughs> it's right up there with kittens. I'm yeah. I, I, I'm partial to hedgehogs myself. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I think you know in the retail space, uh, images are incredibly important, and I'm surprised Google didn't use them. According to Greg Sterling in Search Engine Land this morning, ninety percent of mobile consumers, mobile consumers, people people doing out there shopping looking for something turn to search first on their mobile device, again, when they're actively out there looking for something. We don't actually have time to talk about the story now before we got to take a break, but I want, I want to leave it hanging on, on that headline because I want to come back and talk about the way mobile has affected the way people use Google and the, affected the way that both uh, brick and mortars and e-tailers present their products. Before we can do that, though, we got to take a break here on Webcology. We are joined, um, luckily for the entire show, by Tom Craver, a uh, search marketing consultant and educator, and of course, owner of a very fine Pikachu, and uh, Jenny Halaz from JLH Marketing, long-time SEO. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of September, 2016, and we're back after these messages. 
Don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. This is Cranberry Radio. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the uh, 15th of September 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And I'm joined by Tom Craver, independent consultant and educator. Check out learnwithtom.com. Uh, get, get, get plugged into Tom's online learning courses. Also joined by Jenny. Ha- I don't believe this. Oh my God, see when the pressure's on, I lose it. Jenny Halas. Jenny Halas. Halas. Yep. All apologies. I uh, I butchered Jenny Halas's name. I butchered. I'm so name. used to it. <laughs> I apologize deeply. From JLH Marketing. I did get that part right. Um, long-term SEO, we're talking, uh, well, you know what, we were talking Penguin a few minutes ago. Now I want to talk about mobile, mobile uh, shopping, mobile search, uh, and the way that, that the metoric rise of the handheld computing device has uh, well, kind of flipped SEO on its head. Um, 90%, we went to commercial with this stat, 90% of consumers in the United States when they're out and about doing their shopping, are consulting search engines to make product choices, product comparisons, or to find out where the heck they're going in the first place. That is astounding. I remember I remember it was just a year and a half ago when we crossed the 50% mark. Now we're looking at 90% of the people out there using search on a daily basis, searching for stuff. Jenny and Tom has... Has that changed your practices in any way? Personally, absolutely. I Even my kids now tell me, hey, mommy, they say, you know, hey, mommy, what's the tallest tree in the world or something? And I, I don't know. We can look it up. Oh, okay. Well, ask Google. Um, I mean, I'd be really interested to see of that statistic how many of those are voice searches. Indeed, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them. That's a good question. Uh, next time I'm uh, next time I'm sitting down for supper with Greg Sterling, I will ask him that question. <laughs> <laughs> Greg but I mean, amazing. yes, I think it's absolutely changed the way that we the way that we optimize and the way that we do things. Um, I know just even simple things like titles and descriptions. I encourage clients to write them so that they'll show up nicely on mobile. Um, You know, we're looking at uh, mock-ups for a prospective um, site change. Mobile is always part of the mock-ups now. And it used to be it was just such an afterthought. And now it really is more 
central to what we're doing. And I don't personally work with any um, brick and mortar stores, but if I did, I would absolutely take a mobile first attitude toward that. Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's consumer behavior. It's just where we're going. It's, it's convenience. It's, it's kind of like, you know, why has fast food, you know, come up more than, than real restaurants? I mean, and, and why do people rely on that? It's, it's just the way our lives are going. We all have a phone attached to our hand at some point in time, usually, you know, 90% of the day. We even sleep with them. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that surprising, actually. And Google's been, been huge for the past year plus now, especially in the analytics world on this whole, measuring moments and all these micro moments and you know we're doing this while we're on the go we're doing that while we're on the go you know it's 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 everywhere it's not just retail it's it's literally everywhere you know i we can we can talk about my pet pikachu and all but my wife launched a website talking about saratoga and all the things to to see and do and, and whatnot in saratoga and over the summer, we saw the hugest traffic spike on a handful of articles that, that shot to the top of Google very quickly, which was great for her site. But we're talking all about the best places to catch Pokemon here. And then as soon as track season started, Saratoga is the you know, big race course here, you know, six weeks of track season and all these kids coming in out of town with their parents and, and boom, you've got, you've got everybody chasing Pokemon down. But that it was all mobile searches we measured it down to mobile searches looking for where do i find pokemon near the racetrack or anywhere in saratoga springs and this that and the other and yeah the 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 dichotomy of the different searches was just huge and it was i think ours was like 85 percent mobile searches so i mean it's everywhere it's everything we do and that's that whole micro moment you know idea that google keeps promoting too now i i know you don't have a you no way you'd be able to get a good sense of this through uh, Google Analytics or through uh, Google Search Console, but you know, eighty-five percent of traffic to that to that one or series of URLs coming from uh, mobile devices. Were you able to capture some of the differences between uh, 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 keyword query construction? Well, you know, it's <laughs> construction. No, not exactly, because you're still you're still stuck with. You can see the queries in Search Console or even the parts that they let you import into into analytics, but you can't actually use that as as factors to segment by anymore. So, I mean, they're still trying to keep that separate, but they're yeah. they're they were all they were all very very similar. Mobile versus desktop couldn't tell you, but they were all very similar to you know the the structure of the words, whether it was Pokemon in Saratoga or where to find Pokemon in Saratoga. It was always the same the same similar structure. Okay, and again, like Jenny mentioned a few moments earlier about voice search, I imagine voice search you're going to get a lot, a lot more long tail opportunity, but regular search on a mobile device is going to be short and sweet because, and let's face it, typing on a mobile device bites. Especially <laughs> if you're on the go trying to catch Pokemon. I mean, if you if you have the right device and have all those. Google's going to track you things turned on while you're still playing the game or doing anything for that matter. Any app, it doesn't really matter what it is. You can just yell out, okay, Google, and type something in, and it will just pop right up over top of it. I do it all the time when I'm driving. The navigation app is up there, but you can still yell, okay, Google, and say something. It'll reroute you, or it'll find things along your route, or just completely take you to a search result. I mean, so the convenience factor there and the fact that voice recognition is getting better and the fact that we have you know, connected cities and better hotspots and, you know, really don't care about throwing my money to the, the four big providers in the U S and, you know, who is it in Canada? I guess that would be Rogers in Canada, <laughs> right. For, for data, you know, we, we don't care. We just keep using data and, and consuming it all. And I think it'd be fascinating to find out how many are voice versus, you know, traditional typing something in, but I don't see if there's really aside from analyzing, if you say things differently than you type them, um, and you might be inclined to say more things when you're actually searching by voice. I don't know if there's any real use to seeing the difference, but it would be really great if they if they would give us that information, which ones were voice and which ones were, were typing. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think, um, uh, first off, I have a, a Motorola Turbo 2, which I absolutely love. Um, but, I mean, it's got the capability. I can shout at it from across the room when it's off and, and t- you know, when the screen is off and say, you know, hello, Moto, or okay, Google, depending on what what uh, I've set up for my phrase, and it's 
it, you know, ping, and what do you need, Jenny? <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Um, but one thing I've noticed in terms of query construction is that Google has really pushed the collective consciousness to um, certain words, like near me is probably the best example yes. that I have. Um, when you're on mobile, and sometimes when you're on desktop too, but mostly when you're on mobile, you start typing in a word like pizza, um, Google's instantly going to give you suggest near me. Um, and we see a cor- corresponding increase in those near me searches in Google keyword suggest uh, um, in the, uh, the um, search term suggestion tool. Um, so it's been kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and I'd be interested to know what other, other phrases they're doing. Well, I can, I can tell you one thing. There's uh, two things happening right now. First off, a lot of young SEOs are, are adding the terms near me to all of their pages. And some older SEO who's a domainer has just gone out and registered pizzanearme.com. Fantastic. Which is just completely silly. I'm, That's what, what? I've done, but I, I'm busy doing a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when we've seen that too, because people are inherently lazy. And the fact that Google is now suggesting near me, they're like, well, we're seeing an increase of near me because they're suggesting it. Whenever we've, we've had suggested things pop up, and again, well, again, what was it, five, six years ago, we first started seeing that pop up in the, in the actual search box itself i mean mm-hmm. truly people just go oh we'll just use that and so now suggested search became the the new keyword research for us because that was more valuable usually than the stuff that came before it so i mean if, they, if they're going to keep suggesting stuff people are going to keep using it because well they're sheep look at the election but let's not go in there right now right jimmy <laughs> yeah you know what i really wanted I to bring up dr epstein talk- but i don't want to do that not yet i was gonna <laughs> say i suppose we could talk about dr epstein but uh well you know what i think we just did so too late <laughs> <laughs> what a terror well, that guy the- is huh oh my goodness i mean like seriously citing a discredited theory and then trying to pick a fight with the seo community <laughs> Well, I just mean from the standpoint of Google suggests what the what works, and what works is what Google suggests. So, indeed, um, and 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 most people will follow Google suggests. Although, again, SEOs do not go out there and just start like spamming your pages with terms you see on Google suggests. That's not going to work for you. <laughs> yeah, please don't go put near me in all of your title tags. <laughs> I remember years ago, for years, I used to rally against the word home. I would tell my clients that home is a four-letter word and you can't use it. Because everyone uses home, so don't use home. It drives me crazy. Uh, welcome. I absolutely hate it when a website says, welcome to our website. Oh, indeed. Eh? It's like having the company name very first in the, uh, in, in, in the title when it's not a branded phrase. Right. Um. Just, yeah, just just silly SEO mistakes. And actually, you know what? Let's step away from our uh, let's step away from our topics. I mean, we could talk about topics that are in the news. Or I got two <laughs> insanely experienced SEOs on the phone with me. Normally, I only got one insanely experienced SEO. When, when did they join us? <laughs> Indeed. Um, <laughs> go back in your memory banks for a second, Je- uh, Jenny and Tom. What were some of the like years ago? It was sage advice, but today it sounds crazy. What's your favorite piece of of years ago? It was sage advice, but today it sounds crazy. Jeez, I mean, where do you start? Yeah. Keyword tags, meta description tags, colored text. Oh wait, that doesn't work anymore. So let's use a colored JPEG because they can't read the colors in a JPEG. Oh, stuffed alt text. Um, All text, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Actually, I will say stuff, something that I used for a long time that did work, and I, I dare say might still work today. Occasionally, don't overuse it. Title, title attributes. Forget alt title. You oh, know, the little yellow mouse over thing. 
That one actually has always driven me nuts because people use the title attribute incorrectly on things that don't have a link. But it worked. <laughs> oh, At least for a little while. Spam! <laughs> and, and that's why it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's, no one I, said any of the things we're talking about here between images and, and descriptions and, and keywords. Nobody said it was anything but spam, but, you know, they worked. I, I, I do want to get in the note that using an alt tag on an image uh, is important for screen readers, for internet users who are blind. Oh, yes. Imperative. I, I do want to throw that. Yeah, and in the United States, if you are a... Sorry, go ahead, Jenny. Health-oriented site or insurance or anything um, that I like to... I would actually go so far as to say if you have a Your Money, Your Life site, you better be using that alt text correctly. If you are doing any business with the government, online or not, and your organization doesn't have any of the 503C compliance stuff, and it's not just alt text, it's the name attributes on forms and everything else that we all go, well, that would be nice to be compliant, but no, all those things, you better have it. In the U.S., I don't know if anybody can or would enforce it, but technically you can be fined if well, you are a school or any government-related business or do business with any government or school business and you don't use all that stuff and your site isn't compliant, you can be fined. Well, I have I, worked with health insurance companies that have received letters from the FCC on that topic. Oh, they do enforce it. You know, it's funny. Yesterday I did, I did a, uh, I, I guessed it on a radio show that was on a Cranberry show that was talking about the, the election. And I'm Canadian, but I, I'm very, very uh, uh, a observer of, of American politics. And I got to tell you, sometimes, most Americans. sometimes America drives me crazy as a, as, a, as a foreigner looking in. But I got to say, America's dedication to equality, especially uh, on, on the web, is uh, something that I, rest, I, I wish the rest of the world would mandate and catch on to. Um, that was that the, the uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm spacing on the name of the act that covers accessibility, but American with Disabilities Act. That's the one that was what, 2004, 2003. I think that's just phenomenal. And it's 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 a key piece of legislation that brings equality to to, to all users. Mm-hmm. It was actually so, 1990, Jim. You're kidding me. 1990. 1990. And in a, I, I worked at the Rochester Institute of Technology, um, higher ed university with 11 colleges, one of which was the National, Institute, uh, National Technical Institute for the Deaf. And everything we did had to be accessible. It didn't matter, it, it, which made it really difficult as you know, videos and YouTube as, as media content were emerging and people couldn't get on it fast enough. It made it very difficult to do captioning and get content out there at the speed at which everybody wanted to throw the content out there. And RIT actually created a department and hired like a, a team of people. And I want to say it was three or four people when the team first started. Their sole job was captioning everything for the university. So it, it's a big deal. That's amazing. That was, that was only, what, 25 years ago. And today, that could be done by bot. It is it's still not really perfect. Incredible. It's you know what though. I've I've got a bunch of deaf friends, and it's funny you mentioned that because we were just talking about this on Facebook, and he posted an article. And in fact, I retweeted it, so find it back in my stream from about a week or two ago um, about respecting the caption, and they just don't care. the The article really described there's a that. there's a great commercial. Maybe it was just last week. There's a really great commercial that uses a play on words. It's the, it's I think it was, let's say it's a Geico commercial, and they have Ice T, the rapper, sitting there in a chair next to a lemonade stand, and everybody's going, "Is that Ice T? No, it's lemonade. Is that Ice T?" And finally, after the third or fourth time, you you finally see Ice T himself take his sunglasses off, and you recognize that it's him. He goes, "No, man, it's lemonade. Why is what's wrong with these people?" But the captioning the whole time isn't saying is that iced tea, which would be the play on words. The captioning is saying. I-C-E-T, ruining the joke before it even pans out so you can get that. And it becomes a real issue then when you start start doing this, and especially if you start throwing automated bots in there. And I'm sorry if I'm going off too far on this, but it's something that's very passionate to me. I've done a lot oh. of deaf people and a lot of deaf friends, and it's, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a major deal, and they miss out on so much because 
we're too selfish to care enough. Oh, we did it. It's all done. It's a, it's a line item on a list, and it, it, it can be done by bot. You are absolutely correct. But like anything else, it's got to get looked over. Automation is fine, but you still got to look it over to when you're all done to make sure your, your points aren't getting lost in the ether. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's the same That's thing. That's a getting... great point. And I, I find it really funny that that commercial, I'm going to have to go look it up, uh, that that commercial uses iced tea because um, I actually did a presentation uh, at uh, SMX um, a year or so ago where I was uh, talking about rank brain. And that was actually an example that I used was some of the res- results sets that you get when you search for iced tea. Fantastic. Well, Clearly, the advertiser couldn't afford Beyonce, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that, we, uh, it's, it's break time here on, on Mubcology. We're getting to about quarter to the hour in recorded time. Um, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Jenny Halaz from JLH Marketing and Tom Craver from... Uh, da, 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 let me just go back here because I can't keep anything LearnWithTom.com. LearnWithTom.com. T-H-O-M. I was just about to get there. <laughs> Learn with Thom.com. You You're go. listening to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 15th of September, 2016. Stick around. Back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with ezoic. That's ezoic.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google certified publishing partner. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. We are rounding out the hour with Jenny Halaz from JLH Marketing and Tom Craver from Learning with Thom.com, T-H-O-M.com. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm, and we are jumping into one of the dumber stories. I don't know if this one makes me mad, or if this one just makes me want to sort of shrug my shoulders and say, oh my god, this is way in the entire world. But, okay, this might take a bit of an explanation, and I'm squeezing my forehead because it hurts. Um, Publishing online pays for itself with advertising. Those ads are often intrusive and most of us don't like them, but we're receiving a free service when we're looking at a news page or a product page or whatever that has advertising on it because the ads are paying for the content to be there, much like television. 
Except this is the web, and we can soup up our browsers and soup up our machines and do pretty much anything we want because we're all smart power users. And a lot of folks have gotten ad blockers. A lot of folks have gotten ad blockers to, you know, stop the ads from coming up on their, uh, coming up and annoying them while they're surfing, and that's really hurting the publishing business. One of those ad blockers is called Adblock Plus. And Adblock Plus announced today that they are selling display ads to take the place of the ads that they. <laughs> what is a scam, man? They're stealing yeah, I mean, real just... estate. Come on now. It's a free piece of software. How else are they going to pay for their existence? you got to actually, you know, sell ads on it so we can pay for the software. Come on now, Jimmy. Am I reading this wrong or is this a scam? Like, no. That just disgusts me. There's, how can they do this? Somebody shook their hand behind closed doors. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, and... It's it's the acceptable ads platform because some ads are just okay or better than others. So some people's money is greener than other people's money. Is that what you're saying? Sure. Because I'm sure every once in a while you're going to see one of those JavaScript, you know, intruding on your computers trying to install something kind of thing, even though it can't supposed to touch the operating system. You know, ads pop through. They just do that. They just how they work. So. Jenny, you've always been the paragram of, of stuff that's fair out there. Is this fair? <laughs> I mean, fair. We don't have that much time. Is, yeah. <laughs> fair is a four-letter F word. I know that. Fair is an F word. Um, I, I, I mean, in brief, I think that they built a relationship with their users based on, an expect, based on a certain expectation. And now they're not only... Um, Flying in the, uh, they're not only failing to meet that expectation; they're basically saying "f you." Um, so yes, they're going to lose. They're going to lose users. I, I hope that they lose all their users, frankly, um, because it's not ethical. Um, however, they're a private company; they're fully within their rights to monetize their tool, and so be it. The fair market will. We'll take care of this. With baseball caps, with baseball bats to the kneecaps, I, I expect, or or a cease and desist and a uh, lawsuit. <laughs> um, it, I just I, that story came up in my newsfeed today, and I just looked at it for a second incredulously. I see this as theft of real estate. Um, I'm putting out pages, and I I, I don't like the ads either. To tell you the truth, but someone's got to pay for this whole gig, right? Right. Oh. Well, I mean, I think I really like the way a lot of sites do this, but my example is Search Engine Journal. Um, they have a little cute little dog on there with his with his paw to his ear, and it says, hey, we noticed you're using an ad blocker. We use ads to fund our site. If you like our site, please disable your ad blocker. You know what I did? I disabled my ad blocker. Because you love Lauren's site. Because I love, because I like the site, and I want, I want it to stick around, and I support it. And if that's a way for me to support it by disabling my ad blocker on that site, then I'll do that. They asked very nicely. I'll tell you straight up, Jenny. You support SEJ; they'll support you. It's a wonderful segue into the last topic we have for the day, which is the uh, survey of sixty-five SEO marketers that Search Engine Journal published on September the twelfth. Uh, this information was gathered by Anna Crow. She's a staff writer at Search Engine Journal. And I want to mention, Search Engine Journal and uh, Search Engine Land are two of the last publications to actually employ staff writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that is so important, what they're doing. And darn good ones, too. And darn good ones, too. So we're not going to have time to really dive into Search Engine Journal's uh, top SEO marketers uh, what they prioritize during the day, what's important, where they're working. But um, I know you've each had a chance to take a quick look at this. Um, do you think these surveys are important? Do these surveys actually help newer SEOs get a, get a feel for the industry? I would certainly hope so. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm often asked, 
you know, I, I want to get involved in SEO. I want to start learning how this all works. Where do I go? And you, you try to find, like you said, Jimmy, it's kind of more and more difficult all the time to find the good sites that actually implore paid for writers that do the proper work. But, you know, you got to find the right articles. And this is, this is a great, you know, good survey of what everybody's doing. I'm, I'm a fan of data. You know, if you've got the right sample size and the right intelligence level of people putting out the survey, you know, participating in the survey, you've got some good data of what they're doing. The fact that 72% of people are creating content as most of what they're doing nowadays, SEOs, I actually quoted that yesterday to, to even non-SEO people. It was, it was an interesting stat, and it's, but it's true. If you own a website, that's, that's a huge deal. So, yeah, I think this survey ultimately should help a lot of people, especially the ones you know, looking for stuff. How about you, Jenny? Do surveys like this tend to mesh with your experience in your daily life? I think, um, well, I was actually asked to participate in this survey and just due to workload, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to, um, I think this one is a really good one. Um, I think it's very clear that they're getting information from other SEOs and that they're providing, uh, a, a very, um, observational type of study as opposed to empirical. What frustrates me about these sorts of surveys is when they present it as these are the ranking factors. Um, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are a couple <laughs> of really well-respected companies that do that. And yes. I think that that's really, really dangerous. Um, so, Yes, I like surveys like this when it's very clear that they're opinion-based um, or observationally based. Um, I, I'm very impressed by how this survey has presented the information in a way that doesn't lead me to believe that content is 73% of the Google algorithm. Okay. Um, and that, I'm afraid, is where we're going to have to leave it today. Uh, quick note. Well done, SEJ. I think you got three thumbs, three to six thumbs of approval from this uh, panel of three people here on on, on this piece. <laughs> Jenny Halaz from JLH Marketing, Tom Craver from LearningWithTom.com and uh, Independent Consultancy. Thank you both so much for joining us on Webcology today. Friends, this is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm on Thursday, the 15th of September, 2016. Get out and enjoy the outdoors while you still can. If you live in the Northeast, it's going to be an awfully cold winter, so get out there and enjoy it. But uh, get out there and enjoy it after listening to the next shows coming up after the news because we've got lots of great content coming up here on Cranberry. And uh, Webcology will be back, same time, same channel, next week. Be well. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. All of your favorite webmasterradio.fm programs. Affiliate Buzz, Next Gen Now, CEO Coach, Cyber Law and Business Report have found a new home. SEO Rockstars, SEM Synergy.